while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. My guest today is actor Chris Henry Coffey. It's a pleasure. He and I have been chatting already off air, and uh, but I'm going to get right to him because we want you to hear what he's got to say. Chris Henry Coffey is an American actor, perhaps best known for his role in the David Schwimmer's uh, directed film Trust, also starring Clive Owen, Catherine Keener, and Viola Davis, one of my favorites. Chris was praised for his tour de force portrayal, giving a shockingly convincing performance that is equally, are you ready for it, perverse and plausible, which arguably could bring us right to Impossible Monsters, written and directed by a former guest, Nathan Cattucci, in which our guest, Chris Henry Coffey, stars with Tony Award-winning Santino Fortana, who was a star of Broadway's production of Tootsie and Disney's Frozen, Natalie Knepp, Devika Bizet, who of course was in The Man Who Knew Infinity, and Donal O'Healy among others. They're all incredibly talented. We had the great pleasure, I must say, to have a radio chat with a number of those involved in Nathan Cattucci's Impossible Monsters, but not until Chris Henry Coffey joined us today on The Reasonable Voices are we able to announce Impossible Monsters produced by, and I hope I don't destroy her name, Doratya Amathi. Is that close, Chris? Okay, I'll go with you. Jonathan Burkhart <laughs> and Nathan Cattucci. Because this production now, Impossible Monsters, is scheduled for its theatrical release in New York and Los Angeles on Friday, February 14th. How's that for a happy Valentine's Day, Chris? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> and welcome, by the way, to The Reasonable Voices. How are you this fine day, Chris Henry Coffey? Yeah, thank you so much, Marcello. Thanks for having me on. And I appreciate you using my middle name because uh, oftentimes I just notice Chris Coffey. And uh, unfortunately, there are numerous Chris Coffeys in the Screen Actors Guild, which I didn't, I didn't know until I joined the union. And, and they, uh, wouldn't, they literally wouldn't allow me to use Chris Coffey. So I always have to be clear with people press-wise to, to make sure that uh, they identify me as 
Chris Henry called. So anyway, well, that's my absolutely my and my pleasure. But you know, when I do my research, if there are three names, I take that very seriously from from actors. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and and that's the thing. A lot of people who aren't in the business or don't understand the fact that people use three names for specific reasons mm-hmm. uh, will often will often sort of scoff at it as being like, ah, three names, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's actually out of necessity, not not out of vanity. There you go. Okay. Look, Chris, from Viola Davis to Devika Bizet, I mean, and working with Abrams Artists Agency and helping save the world in 13 days. So how's (laughs) life treating you? (laughs) Very good. Uh, Yeah, I've had a very, very interesting path. In my career, I've been working for probably 20 years now. I graduated from the Yale School of Drama in 1999. Mm-hmm. And I've been based in here. I've been based here in New York for you know twenty plus years, and bounced around quite a bit. Uh, but has have uh, made made New York my my home base for pretty much that entire time, with a little stint in L.A. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I've been very lucky to play a very diverse range of characters and work with some extraordinary actors. Mm. And Devika being one of them, she was. Uh, you know, just so present and, and just she was a lot of fun on set and just easy going. And there's some trickier material in Impossible Monsters. Mm. And in that way, everybody on set uh, really treated it as, uh, as a safe place to, to explore some trickier stuff. So That's true. I, was, I felt very lucky to be a part of it. Absolutely. And I concur with everything you said there. Um, we should mention, of course, that nothing about making movies happens overnight. Impossible yeah. Monsters had its world premiere at the Cinequest Film Festival in San Jose, California on Saturday, March 9th, 2019, and was a part of the New York Latino Film Festival August 15th, and in the New Jersey International Film Festival on September 14th, 2019, and as I said before, on Valentine's Day of this year, 2020, Impossible Monsters will have its theatrical release in New York at the Cinema Village and in Los Angeles at the Lemiel Monica Film Center. Again, that's Friday, 14 February 2020. I think it's fair to say Nathan Cattucci's Impossible Monsters is a psychological thriller, wouldn't you say, Chris? Absolutely. Yes. I think it's the prime, yeah, the quintessential definition, I think. Yes. So many don't distinguish between horror and thriller. Uh, I believe yeah. <laughs> Nathan Cattucci's Impossible Monsters slices right down the middle of that. And I mean, it is a mental yeah. exercise for both audience and performer, I should think. What do you, what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I, in fact, before doing this film, I was not, I didn't understand this idea of sleep paralysis uh-huh. at all. It was not uh, something that was on my radar. But uh, after doing some research and just kind of under, you know, working on the film itself and talking with people on set, particularly Nate, he, you know, had had a very interesting idea. And uh, of course, my curiosity about the title of the film, Impossible Monsters, mm. was was uh, one of the first questions I asked. And I'm sure maybe Nathan uh, specified that, but uh, did you 
know that this was a, uh, oh. it's a, it's a quote Goya. by Francisca Goya. My wife is an artist, and when I mentioned it to oh, her, right she on. went, oh, yes, of course, you know, and of course she filled me in, and I went from there, but uh, you tell us. This idea of, this, uh, of, of imagination being abandoned by reason mm. causes impossible monsters, and I love that. Yes. Fantasy, fantasy abandoned by reason. I love that. Yes, like you, produces yes. impossible monsters. United with reason, she is the mother of the arts and the origin of marvels. You gotta love that. Wow. Oh, yes. And Nate, and as you say, yeah. Nate took that and and made a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with some marvelous yeah, people, by the way. Absolutely. Um, I, I found that. The entire cast, uh, he assembled just a phenomenal, well-rounded ensemble. Uh, uh, Santino is, uh, of course, well-known in Broadway circles uh, here in New York, but uh, he's got, uh, and which you know tends to, you would think he had a very theatrical performance or, or something along those lines, but he had such a subtle, beautiful performance. I mm -hmm. thought mm -hmm. in this in this film, so playing. Playing opposite of him uh, just elevated my game. Working with uh, so many of, uh, of the actors, Danica being one of them, and um, and uh, Lila Robbins. I don't know if uh, you've had her on the show yet, but she is an extraordinary presence here in New York, and she's well known. And yes, yes. So many circles, and again, just having having her on set was just uh, was just you know just brings a gravitas to the entire to the entire operation a absolutely you have to have a script and a director to attract the kind of talent that impossible monsters right. attracted and then to work as such a tightly knit ensemble i think at the very least there are three states of mind in impossible monsters there's the reality whatever that is for each of us there's wishful thinking, self-talk, if you will, and then there are dreams and fantasies that sometimes are nightmares, and everything is crazy. I don't know, Chris. Uh, w w mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, this idea of dreams has always been very interesting to me. I, I, uh, I, I seem to have pretty lucid dreams occasionally. It depends on what's going on in my life, but mm. um, I do feel like. The dream world is is uh, a unique human experience, and mm. we all have them, and we all have them in varying degrees of uh, of lucidity. And I mean, I, I think we all sleep every day, and uh, th this is a, a really basic human thing that we can all relate to, and yet it's so mysterious and uh, and just in terms of storytelling, just so there's so much in there to explore and.
Absolutely. And I, I, I thought I'd throw it out there and see where you would go, and you went there, so good for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've we both sort of touched on a number of the uh, actors who are in the cast and how wonderful their work is, uh, and you need them because Impossible Monsters is is full of these, what, amazingly complex characters. These guys yeah. are not, you, you think you know them when you see them, but no, you don't. Right. You, you, you've right. got to stay on the edge of your well, seat. I, yeah, and, and in terms of my character in particular, he, and I think we, we can all relate to this as well, like on the surface, he's successful, he's respected, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, somebody that's got uh, charisma, he, he attracts people around him, and at the same time, uh, he's also got this darker side that um, I won't give away. Yes. Uh, too much about, mm-hmm. about the film, but but the film does a great job of of revealing the darker sides of individuals, the darker side of humanity, the darker side of our fantasy world, mm-hmm. as, as we're talking about with dreams. And yeah, so in that way, there's there's a lot of layers to to work with, and from an audience standpoint, it keeps you it keeps you guessing, it keeps you interested, and um, and. And there's also a thriller aspect to it, which uh, which is a lot of fun. There's, mm-hmm. there's also an element of uh, mystery that that uh, is is kind of old school, like let's like who done it type type uh, scenario. Yes, taken many many steps upward yes. and forward, but also inward. I think is the is the thing. Yeah, we we go a, right. a lot deeper than necessarily expect to see but as you say we don't want to give away too much but I would like to say this because this is a what I might refer to as a simple exposition moment and that's that first scene where we see you that is one of the many telling moments with Nathan Cattucci's writing and directing and is how we first see the uh, the married Dr. Charles Engel, that's you, on screen with Fontana's uh, Dr. Rich Freeman in a competition for the uh, Presidential Citation for Psychology. And I think as, as straightforward as that scene is, as much as it is exposition, it also is some foreshadowing. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about it. Yeah, as much as you can. <laughs> well, I, would, I mean, off the top of my head, that that first scene sh- uh, shows a, a, a competitiveness between between two very successful people that are kind of vying for for the same goals in a way. And one is uh, one is has a darker side to him than the other, I think, and uh, more questionable uh, ethics and. Uh, None of this is necessarily shown, but it's all kind of sub, mm-hmm. sub subtextually layered in there. And you see little moments of of the two kind of sizing each other up. And I, for for me personally as an actor, I I wanted to 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 show a little bit of that competitiveness with him and the sort of um, I don't know the sense of I I, I can. I own rooms, and that's how I that's how I operate, and I and I have this this sense of having to win at all costs, mm-hmm. and uh, and in that way, you see two people in the same world that operate very differently. That's it. That's exactly it. 
two people, same world, very different operators. Okay, yeah. uh, this is great. We're going to take a short break. We are talking to Chris Henry Coffey. Quite a career, and we should mention at some point, he said he has quite a th theatrical career as well, that is, in the theater. We may get a chance to chat about that. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with Chris Henry Coffey. Don't go away. It gets better and better, I assure you. Stay with us. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. As a child, Philippe Petit loved the thrill. It became his dream to walk a wire between the highest towers in the world. In Man on Wire, we get to accompany Philippe on one of the greatest wire walks ever. His 1974 assault on the Twin Towers of New York's World Trade Center. Seeing the film now, we can never put out of our consciousness the haunting image of the towers, nor escape the impact of the 9-11 tragedy. But far from tainting the experience, our memories give it a poignant added dimension. Using the technique of intertwining both staged and actual images, director James Marsh has created an extraordinarily realistic thriller. We accompany the guerrilla-like team as they plan the assault, illegally enter the buildings, evade the guards, and rig the wire. And then... Magically, Philippe steps out on his 200-foot steel cable, where for 45 minutes he cavorted and danced 1,350 feet above the streets of Manhattan. Whether we think him daring or insane, he is an artist who provides a transformative event that we are blessed to share with him in Man on Wire. But he was found guilty of disturbing the peace for opening the door to dreams. Indie Film Minute. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and my guest today, American actor, theater, and film, Chris Henry Coffey. We've been talking a great deal, of course, about the film that was written and directed by Nathan Cattucci, Impossible Monsters, which is going to have his theatrical release in New York and Los Angeles on Valentine's Day this year, 2020. And Chris Henry Coffey plays Dr. Yep. Charles Engel. One of the things we were talking about early on in the film, the scene about who's going to win between the two of you very competitive PhDs, the presidential citation, it seems to me you were written to compete with each other, and yet the directing and the editing and the acting sort of weaves what's on the page into a more tangled web, if you will, of twists and turns. You take it from there. <laughs> yeah, I um, I agree. I see you see that scene, which is taking place in a in a public setting, and you see two uh, two successful guys who are pretty similar to each other in tuxedos, and, you know, at the podium, kind of uh, being challenged with, by each other for for this award, and then and then it cuts to a more private situation between between the two and you mm -hmm. see this great contrast of of, uh, of the public and private and in yes. that way it sets the tone for the rest of the film exactly after the award is announced there are a series of reaction shots the theater is very mm -hmm. different in that sense but when you're on camera it's those reaction shots that tell the story 
and yeah that's so true yes and both what you do after the announcement is made as opposed to what dr rich freeman does and then of course all the reaction shots of everyone in the audience including the actress playing your wife and so forth they all tell a story yeah i I mean i I think that's a great thing about film and in uh in general that it's so much of a a director slash editor's medium that you can tell the story from so many different points of view. I, I um, as as it's been said many times, you know, theater is an actor's medium and film is a director's medium. Mm. And I really believe that to be true. Once once you're on stage, it's kind of you're you're in control, and uh, you know a director can kind of direct. Hope you know a good director will sort of manipulate how an audience. Uh, will look at the play and mm. where to focus their eyes and which which story to watch. But you know, ultimately, you're watching it, uh, everybody simultaneously on stage doing whatever their you know whatever's happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get you get to you get to sort of have the choice as an audience member to look wherever you want. As mm-hmm. opposed to film, you know, you, you you interject a cut here and there with with an audience having this reaction versus that reaction and then you have six different reactions and suddenly you're like okay uh everyone's got a specific opinion about what just happened and um and, and from an audience standpoint again that's uh, that's just uh like okay i which which side do i do i agree with you know mm-hmm. where, where do i stand with this yes it's not like you're in every frame of the film but every time right. you are you're what that scene is about, except when Devika is on the screen. <laughs> well, of course, of course. You know, for instance, I mean, that was some transition you made following, shall we say, an unexpected walk-in. Ah, uh, yes. Where do you grab that? I mean, I name when I direct theater in particular. I, I have names for different kinds of transitions, and this one I would have called a pinball because you know you click the <laughs> uh, yes, you know what I'm talking about, but. How did yeah, you go sure. from the unexpected guest to out in the hallway? I will say I, I will tell you a story uh, about the process of, of getting the role and okay. auditioning for for the, the film. And uh, you know, one of one of the things I remember about it, it was it was a while ago, but uh, I remember the director. I remember Nathan saying, "Look." You know, go as far as you can, both in terms of the charm and in terms of uh, darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were a couple of different scenes that we worked on together, and there was a lot of improvising within that scene, within both the scenes that I did. And I think that's what got me the job was the sense of abandonment to to a darker side of somebody. And, you know, we all have we all have different colors and really about uh, obvious I'm saying the obvious but you know whether we decide to act on certain impulses and what makes us who we are mm. and and in a sense the, my character has no bounds mm. or at least you know his boundaries are, are much looser than than uh, others in the film and, and that kind of goes back to the competition between between uh, Santino's character in mind mm-hmm. but but yeah, I guess that I'll leave it there and just say that that there's there's 
very different sides of my character that come out in the film, and that was a that was a big part of the audition of uh, mm. was seeing all of those different colors being revealed, and that shows up on camera. Yes, yes, and clearly that's what Nate wanted. Obviously, if he he gave you yeah. that challenge in the audition, even uh, yeah. There's literally a moment in the film where he's asked to put his fist in his mouth. Mm. And, uh, I mean, if, if that isn't an image that grabs you, mm. I don't know what is, because you know, that, that shows very specifically, you know, how, what, what's going on internally with somebody who is literally fighting themselves to, uh, sort of, Squelch their own dark impulse. Mm, mm-hmm. that, uh, it, it, uh, it, it definitely goes there, which is a lot of fun from, a, from an acting standpoint. Yes, and also the way the character is written, directed, and performed, you don't hesitate to swing that pendulum in opposite extremes whenever right. the moment opens itself to you. And sometimes you yeah. take the moment. What do you think? Yeah, well, and I. Played a lot of roles over, over the course of my career that uh, seem to show uh, darker sides of people. In that. I don't exactly know what that means, but um, I definitely gravitate towards films or projects that, mm-hmm. that uh, allow me to allow me to show a range of, of colors, and I maybe tend to tend to get cast in, in maybe darker characters because I have a very good western all-american quality to me as well but also there's a darkness and a history behind my eyes maybe yeah. and I mean you mentioned that film Trust that uh, that I shot a few years ago that David Schwimmer film mm-hmm. and uh, you know I play a I, I play a, a online predator who is a pedophile and gets involved in this young girl and he uh, uses his his uh, manipulation he, he manipulates this girl uh, to meet him and terrible things happen yes and I mean it's a it, it's a unflinching uh, window into again somebody who's uh, you know not 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 handling uh, his social skills very well exactly to say the least. one of the scenes that uh, really uh, solidified for me what you said about yourself and that is you you look at this physical exterior and you have a, a very all-american nice guy kind of appeal but there is something in the eyes i, I hate to tell yeah. you chris but there is something yeah. in the eyes and and you know one place that it really uh, it seems to me shows itself in all of its both projection, if you will, and subtlety. And that's the scene between you and the detective, who's played by a marvelous actor, Jeffrey Owens. When yeah. uh, it's, it's like two pros, and by pros I mean not just the actors being professional, but the characters. Uh, right. Two pros working one another, and it's uh-huh. ever so subtle, but both of you are doing it, and it's all in the eyes. What do you think? That was yeah, that's a lot of fun because my character can glad hand anybody and is used to being around people uh, who are powerful, who have, you know, who have different 
stakes in the matter, and he's able to manipulate a room and manipulate people around him. And uh, he's that guy. We all know versions of that person mm, who, mm-hmm. who can just walk into a room and, and regardless of what's going on, you know, in, in, internally, he, he's able to just uh, manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, in that way, you know, he he knows exactly who he's facing, and he knows exactly what what the issues are, and uh, he's a master manipulator. He, he absolutely he is, and if he weren't up against someone like Detective Jeffrey Owens, who knows how it might have gone? But certainly, there is an even tennis match going on there, and both yeah. <laughs> both are working the other. And I just loved it because it's so yeah. it's so in balance about something that's totally out of balance. If you don't mind, mind saying, yes, right? yes. What? Well, and Jeffrey Jeffrey's such a class act. Oh man, such is a, he? I mean, obviously, he's got such a storied history as an actor. Yes. Uh, but he's also, again, another one of these guys who has built a career in the theater, who has played all the classical roles and directs and teaches. And, I mean, so many people involved in this project have, uh, have just such a varied, really interesting background and history and brings so much to the table. Mm. Uh, I, felt, I felt so lucky just to be uh, in the same circle as those guys. And you know, with all due respect, and I mean this, to to you and the entire cast, as we get closer to what we think is the end of this movie, I got to tell you, the music score, the editing, oh. be, they become a, a, as much of a star as any of you guys. What are your thoughts on that? That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. The first time I saw it in a screening, a very early screening, which was just for uh, cast and crew, mm-hmm. uh, I was absolutely blown away by this, the, the sound uh, track underneath. And just, the, the, yeah, like you say, it, it sort of takes on a, a character of its own mm-hmm. and it drives the story in such, a, in such an extraordinary way. It just hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And visually, just, yeah, they just, cr- they created such a, such a beautiful landscape. The art it itself becomes a character. Yes. yes. Uh, the, the location where we shot up at uh, up at City College in Harlem is just this gothic kind of dark architecture. Yes. Has yeah. Such an impact as well. Yeah. Really, yeah. really lends itself to telling telling another part of that story. And yeah. and as I often say, when we're going to shoot everything yeah. we want, we'll make the movie in post. And I got to tell you, that scene that we're talking about now, visually, the music, the editing, uh, uh, I mean, that's like Spielberg editing. I got to say, if you ever, yeah. uh, I can remember yeah. one scene, I think in, in, the, in the, his, his first Zorro film, where there, there is the, the dual uh, scenes of, uh, uh, of, of dueling, literally dueling, and it's back and forth and back and forth and back. I mean, and, and you just, you are riveted. Well, it's the same yeah. thing in Impossible Monsters. That same feeling in that right, um, right. that montage, if you will. I just yeah. um, it, uh, what it's I love. It, and and go ahead. I mean, you can't. Also, as you know, this is Nate's first feature film. I know. I know. It's an extraordinary feat. I mean, goes without saying, making movies is a really difficult process. 
Yes. And, uh, to make a good movie is obviously we've all seen, you know, dicey movies, questionable, wondering why films get made, yes. wondering how and why, you know, how does that make it this far, et cetera, et cetera. And then you see something like this and you're like, wow, there's, there's a guy who's got so much talent. Mm. He was, uh, you know, given the, the sort of uh, opportunity to do that through through some some of his the awards that he won to actually get the screenplay made. And uh, boy, it's, uh, it's it's a real feat. I, I really yeah. respect him for, for being able to to really come through in that. You're right. He really has the talent that has earned everything that has come his way and it has he knew he knew what he wrote i believe before he put it on the page and once he put it on the page he knew how he wanted to see it and shoot it before the first audition that's the impression i get and when you told your yeah. audition story i go yep that's what i thought that's exactly what yeah. i thought yeah that's right it was very specific and, and sure enough you know we we shot that exact scene uh, that I was referring to in the audition room. I, we shot that up at City College, yes. and we did multiple takes to explore how far to go. And and Nate on set was so great about allowing actors to to just go there yes. and uh, and explore and and keep and, and keep keep a, a, a very uh, uh, let's see like like an openness to the to the set mm-hmm. and not feel like you're being micromanaged but also being like mm-hmm. uh, challenged in a certain way yes in a good way from that yeah well I hate to go I know we need to <laughs> <laughs> because I know you and I could go on and on um, yeah, it's I know. it's such a great piece Impossible Monsters written and directed by Nathan Cattucci but it it is every single character, uh, every actor, every member of the cast, the crew, the music, the editing, the uh, the visuals, the camera work. My goodness, there's even a different camera style I think used when when what I again I call the three states of mind of this film. I think the, both director and cinematographer are uh, using that particular technique too to say this is a different level. There's right. a one thing we didn't touch yeah. on, and, and my hat off to all the ladies. Forgive me, I didn't talk as much about you in this interview as I have in the past because I, I, I needed to zero in on Chris today. But I, I did want to throw out something, Chris. I have mentioned in past interviews about Impossible Monsters. Sure. There is an, a non-human character that comes and goes that has generally for us certain connotations, symbolism or whatever, without giving anything away. I know that's a tough question to answer, but what do you think that's all about? <laughs> what do you want us to uh, be aware of, of, if anything you can say to that? I know it's kind of boxing you in a, a corner, but... Not at all, not what, at all. Oh, I go ahead. Ultimately, if I, can, if I can kind of interpret your question, okay. I would say we all, we all have our own impossible monsters that we deal with and, and uh, have to manage in our own ways and we have uh, shadow figures that are surrounding us all the time that are you know, allowing us to make choices in life and um, in, a, in a very broad sense I, I, I feel like that to me speaks to just how far we can manage uh, our own darkness mm. um, and, and uh, 
Yes. That was brilliant. Brilliant. You did it. Chris Henry well, Coffin. I am really, really excited for uh, a larger audience to see the film. We've had great audiences at the, at the festivals that it's been premiered at and, uh, and shown at thus far, but to have a, a true theatrical release and to have uh, a VOD on many different platforms just gives a lot of people an opportunity to see the film for the first time. And I'm really, really excited. I would say to the audiences, uh, just when you think you have all the answers, whether it's about this film or in life, you may find yourself on the road to more more nightmares or maybe more dreams come true. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Chris, Chris Henry Coffey. Absolutely love having you on the show. I've, I've loved talking to everybody uh, that I've had the uh, honor to have on The Reasonable Voices from uh, Impossible Monsters. And I'd just like to remind everyone, the theatrical release is Valentine's Day. How can you forget that? In New York and <laughs> L.A. Okay, Chris? <laughs> Thank you so much, Marcello. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure talking with you, and I really appreciate all the support. And it's all mutual, and we wish all of you all the very best especially you, Chris. Uh, pass it along, please, to everybody. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank, thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. And by the way, for all you independent filmmakers listening out there, a, a bit about Gravitas Adventures, a Red Arrow Studios company. Gravitas is a leading all-rights distributor of independent feature films and documentaries. Founded in 2006, Gravitas connects independent filmmakers and producers with distribution opportunities across the globe. Working with talented directors and producers, Gravitas Ventures has distributed thousands of films into over a hundred million homes in North America and over one billion with a B homes worldwide. For more information, please visit GravitasVentures.com. That's G-R-A-V-I-T-A-S Ventures.com. And follow at Gravitas V-O-D on Twitter and at Gravitas Ventures on Instagram. This has been the Reasonable Voices Radio News Talk Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. We thank you for always tuning in and supporting us as you do. We wish you all the very best for this wonderful 2020 New Year. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the Reasonable Voices heard around the world. Heard shots round the world, slow to heal Republican elections infections. Look, elections now prisoner of GOP gutters, condemning us with every syllable McConnell utters. By the right, non-whites should be taken out and hung for the cold-blooded murder of white supremacy dung. Stop the steal! Oh, heavens, what a chant! This is how conservatives' truth is pollution, enabling Arizona State Senate recount collusion. Oh, come now, state repubs, Florida's cyber ninjas, how low can you go with fringes? Hear them down on West Pace's Ferry Square, dropping racial slurs everywhere, spewing hate any way they like. 
you senator johnson did you go to school who taught you oath seekers insurrection was cool and each protester like you ron a tool here your assemblymen or worse here fellow hypocrites converse america would rather hear peaceful assembly than that cowards cackling behind the scene preferring pipelines and oil spills to environmental clean i ask you republicans what sort of party is that it's gerrymandering and red-mapping that keep you in your place not your monotone talking points and self-serving pace why do conservatives teach their clones how not to think this skin color cast distinction by now should be adieu if people of color treated you the way you treat them why you might die in private prisons too begging your pardon if you take offence but how elected officials vote absolutely classifies them especially when inciting riots to keep our light upon a hill dim one common ground america i'm afraid we'll never get oh why can't the congress learn to set a good example for corporate lobbyists whispering pieces of silver in their ears when the street and violent mobs leave folk without hope and faces full of tears there are even places in america where democracy completely disappears where in deep red states they haven't used it for years why can't our citizens teach their states how to think obama flipped nine red ones in two thousand eight south carolina gave biden white house instead even as louisiana remained blood-red and still new orleans cares not what monte Gras night revelers do exactly as long as on fat tuesday they pronounce it properly americans who learn wrong lesson from turkish armenian mass slaughter emulate QAnon and proud boys in charlottesville killing a beloved daughter but resist systematic racism of hued lives that matter and wanton destruction of environment by partisan clutter you're regarded as a socialist like puppets of putin's puppet potus recommending bleach for what ails populace oh why can't democrats and republicans learn to be americans beg pardon of lerner and low and rex harrison for manipulating their collective artistic genius to make my political points regarding a land of the free which was free to keep the promises made by our founding fathers to the top one percent of their day or wait to begin work on justice for all after lincoln's emancipation proclamation gettysburg address and assassination with constitutional evolutionary amendments the fourteenth granting citizenship to all born or nationalized here including people forcibly brought here for free labor the fifteenth giving african-american men the privilege to vote but not women of any race color national origin sex religion or age the seventeenth reigned in political bosses control of a congressional senators paving the transfer of political puppet strings from robber barons or captains of industry to the carte blanche of eisenhower's military industrial complex cementing foundation for the largely invisible and secretly funded citizens united money changers the nineteenth granted females the male privilege to vote but not equal citizenship nor guarantee of equal pay for equal work honestly 
Who among us expected Truman to fill FDR's shoes, or LBJ's JFK's, but an elderly, compassionate conqueror of a childhood stutter, resurrecting America from an apathetic, self-inflicted failure in judgment, is truly the wind beneath our wings, and the answer to a prayer released into the ethers of a merciful universe by millions of Americans committed to saving our American dream from its lowest common denominators." while enduring but managing our day-by-day comeback from the intentional national betrayal of our international integrity, arch-conservatives eroding a major political party into the hypocrisy of right-wing extremists, can we finally now recognize, one, a global pandemic isn't a hoax, two, systemic racism is the remnant of American slavery, three, Denial of scientific facts devastates more families with losses to COVID, murderous racial discrimination, and mass shootings in schools, workplaces, and locations essential to our very daily survival. For the worst denial of all risks condemning our children and grandchildren to death by climate change. If we cannot create common ground for planetary survival, let's at least finally see each other as siblings, even twins, enduring the same tragedies and comedies resulting from electing leaders who focus more on their next election than our next generation. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.